Welcome to a very special episode of Look at My Records. Back in January, I had the pleasure of sitting down with Uncle Funkle to talk about his new album, Fuji, and his extensive background in both the Portland and Los Angeles DIY scenes, playing with bands like The Memories, White Fang, and working with the NAR Tapes label. I aired a condensed version of the interview on Radio Free Brooklyn, actually for the last episode of Look at My Records to air on Radio Free Brooklyn, but we spoke so extensively about a variety of different topics that I wanted to air a lightly edited version of the interview when the record came out. Fuji is now out. You can get it on Bandcamp via unclefunkle.bandcamp.com. That's U-N-K-L-E-F-U-N-K-L-E.bandcamp.com. Tapes will be available soon via NAR Tapes. And before we get into the interview, which was from a couple of months ago, I did want to play a couple of tracks from the record. First off, I did want to play the second single, Row Your Boat. When we had our conversation, Chris, who is Uncle Funkle, went into detail about the recording and writing process behind this track. Row Your Boat, which is a which is from Fuji. Um, I think it's the third track on the record. And um, But if anyone listened to uh, I Just Don't Give a Fuck Anymore, you'll find uh, it's kind of in a similar sonic landscape with... Um, uh, a lot of electric piano and uh, and warbly synthesizers, uh, big sexy swells, lots of uh, extended chord voicings, a uh, saxophone solo provided by um, my friend Jake Dester, who is sax sax on a train at sax on a train on Instagram. <laughs> lots of videos of him playing his horn. Um, my good friend uh, Lucas Gorham, aka uh, Heaven the Dude who also plays in the memories pretty frequently. He uh, laid down a guitar solo on this track. And uh, yeah, a lot of my lyrical, um, uh, what I'm reaching for in the lyrics on this music is a lot of um, kind of like uh, Taoism, uh, sort of Alan Watts vibes, uh, kind of Terrence McKenna kind of things where I'm thinking about psychedelia and uh, talking about, uh, you know, what is life, what is existence, and um, trying to just have some fun with it all, you know? So there you have it. The full details on Row Your Boat, straight from Uncle Funkle himself. In addition to Row Your Boat, we're going to play a couple of other tracks from Fuji, since it's out in the world now. We're going to play the first track, Where Was I?, which features my friend Lindsay Radis. With additional vocals, you may know her as Pinky. They've been working together later in this episode. You'll hear all about that. And we're also going to play Osaka from Fuji. And then finally, The Memories, a band that Uncle Funkle is involved with, are releasing a record in May on NAR Tapes. 
The record is called Pickles and Pies, and we're going to hear one of the singles called Second Try, which is out now. You can pre-order that via Nartapes, nartapes.bandcamp.com. And when we come back, you'll hear the full uncut interview with Uncle Funkle. You're listening to Look at My Records. You know you want it. You spend your whole time on it. And if you break, that's your whole life too. Why not be real? Show the world how you feel. No one can find what you keep in your mind. Row, row, row your boat to Your 
if what dreams may remain Come for the promises and stay for the lies And to me, that's no surprise Moving quite quickly to find shelter from the rain I saw Mount Fuji speeding by from inside the tree One sees the future without knowing the past But to me it never lasts So tell me Thank <laughs> you. 
Hey. Hey. Welcome to Look at My Records, Mr. Uncle Funkle, real name Chris. Tell me how you pronounce your last name. My last name is pronounced Uline, like the shipping company. Whoa. I would not have guessed that by looking at it. Yeah, no one ever really does. It's rarely, unless you're of German or Austrian descent, do you uh, nail it. But yeah, thank you for having me. Oh, of course. You're a very interesting fellow. Oh, thank you. We met a couple of weeks ago at the Shadow Year That's show. correct. A bunch of great bands played at that gig. That was, uh, I was impressed with the, um, I actually only was there for the group beforehand. What are they, uh, Sourdough. Sourdough very was very impressive. good too. Yes. Very impressive. I agree wholeheartedly and, about um, how much I liked Sourdough. Yeah, they had a great, a great sound, well executed. Um, cool look and all that, so very impressive. And then Shadow Year, I've been working a lot with Shadow Year, but that was the first time I had seen them perform live. Me too, first and time I, I saw them, them very live. Impressive. And I've been enjoying their music for a while, yeah. so it was great to see them. They're great. They're special. They are They are special. Great performers, great musicians, very friendly group of people too, so that's why I love working with them. Totally. So I'm really excited for this interview. Me too. In addition to Uncle Funkle, you've been working more on your solo stuff recently True. you had a new single come out i yeah. don't give a fuck anymore yeah, just uh what two weeks ago a couple weeks ago yeah. and you have an album coming out in april correct my my single that just came out i just don't give a fuck anymore was kind of the soft announce of my album um uh fuji which is an album i've been working on for a couple years now i kind of as a solo artist work very slowly um and uh you know about 14 or 15 months ago i moved to new york um to manage this recording studio out in uh, Rockaway. And um, in the time that I've been out there, every time I don't have clients in there, I'm able to work on my own stuff. And, and uh, yeah, so now I'm kind of drawing to a close on this album. And I kind of, at the beginning of this year, was thinking, oh, I have all this unfinished stuff. I really should um, uh, regiment myself uh, and come up with a plan of releasing it so that it doesn't just live in my hard drives. And so, yeah, I started... Uh, with the first single announcing my album on the last week, or the last Friday of January, I started the, um, uh, I think I'm going to call it the Funkle's Final Friday. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I was reading about that. <laughs> that so you're uh, planning on releasing a new song the last Friday yeah. of every month yeah, starting so, in March? So, well, starting in uh, starting in January, I already started. And yeah. then I have uh, another single coming out on the 27th of, of February called Row Your Boat, which is uh, another single for my album. Uh, March is, will be another single, the third and final single for the album. And then after that, I have loads of um, different collaborations and, and, and just kind of... Uh, uh, more um, pop-oriented type of music that, uh, to me, doesn't quite fit into... Uh, a lot of my albums are pretty conceptual, and so I have uh, you know, other things to release. So I'm very excited to yeah, get it all you, out there. You're a very busy guy with a really interesting background as far as in all the different bands you've played with. You are a member of White Fang, Correct. which started in... Portland, Oregon, Correct. maybe like 10, 12 years ago about? Yeah, well, 15, 15 years 14 ago. 14 wow. years ago, yeah. For, at, at the end of this year, it'll be 15 years. Wow. December 2005 when my um, my best friend, Ricky, who uh, is uh, um, somewhat uh, uh, famous on the internet as Free Weed is his uh, yes, solo name. His and. Solo. And uh, and also his kind of like uh, artist name, you know, his, his name, his Instagram name, all that. And... Um, he start. He founded White Fang in 2005, and then um, over the course of the next few years or so, uh, um, so it, it kind of turned into the four-piece band that it, we now sort of represent. Um, 
save one member. I joined the White Fang in uh, late 2008, so yeah. about 12 years I've been involved. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and then also in 2010, he, the same guy, Ricky Freeweed, uh, Ricky Gage, he um, and our ex bandmate Kyle Hanley have founded the Memories, which is uh, essentially the the White Fang sister band. It's like the, the same members, uh, you know, give or take uh, a few kind of guests who come in and out. And um, yeah, ever since then, we've been uh, touring and releasing albums uh, somewhat regularly. It was so cool to find out that you were a part of the Memories because I've been a fan of the Memories for a while now, and I have some of the LPs and even some of your seven-inch singles yeah. as well. Great songs. Definitely what I like about it is when you compare the Memories to White Fang, it's a totally different sure. sounding band, and even compared to Uncle Funkle Sh- sure. as well. So uh, how did these projects come together? Your, your story is really, I know I keep saying it, but your story is really interesting as far as the your DIY ethos and how you're able to build like a really strong DIY network across the country yeah. as long as, as also with your label NAR tapes that you found sure. with your White Fang band members. Yeah. Tell me how this all this all started. Well, it's it, it, it it's all a blur. But no, as well as as well as I can remember, um, me me and the um, the core kind of lineup of uh, of White Fang were um, friends starting as far back as uh, Middle school at Alasat Middle School in Southeast Portland, um, and we knew each other, and we were friends, and we all were recognized each other as part of uh, um, the somewhat I, I, I hate to call it a scene, but there was a bit of a, of a musically inclined scene of kids at the school who were you know played bass and drums or whatever, and 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 we all knew each other through through that kind of music musical uh, cliques that we were all a part of. And and in high school, I started a band called Fat Jack. Actually, this was in the end of middle school. I started this band called Fat Jack um, with this guy, um, Mike Ehart, uh, this guy Kyle Handley, who was one of them, ended up being one of the main members of Wifing for a long time, and uh, this guy, Charlie Hofford. And, and anyway, uh, we had this band, and we were kind of the, like, rock band. I was sort of, uh, it was sort of, this suspended in the in the late 70s kind of vibe where we were just like yeah classic rock like we love <laughs> yeah. we love van halen yeah. and, and you know whatever um and then when that kind of um fell when that band sort of uh um pretty much when i was leaving to go to college uh this guy ricky had had had, had already started during high school this this little label collective um called uh bear trap collective um sorry if i'm getting any of these details wrong anyone who's listening but uh <laughs> <All> <laughs> but we you know we had a uh, we had like a um our in oregon you have this uh, the certificate of advanced mastery which is uh, kind of like where you come up with like sort of your high school major for lack of a better word and uh, and uh, many of us were in arts and communications was one of the ones that you could choose and uh, we had this teacher um, Jeremiah Franzen, who was very supportive of uh, of of the kind of DIY sort of thing, and he was kind of a part of that Bear Trap Records collection collective. Anyway, I ended up going to college and um, would come back to Portland regularly and hang out with my um, with my my friends, my like stoner buddies, and 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 one of those was my very close friend Ricky, who had. Um, started a cassette tape label, NAR Tapes. Basically, um, as the story goes, he had received a like a $50 gift card or something, Visa gift card from, uh, I believe, his grandmother. And um, 
and didn't know what to spend it on and uh, bought a case of blank tapes and then was able to dub those tapes with, uh, I think, you know, very limited, maybe even one of a kind cassettes from uh, people around the um, Portland underground scene like, um, uh, like, like White Rainbow, Yacht, some of these people were the early cassette scene. And, and um, I remember really clearly one day in, uh, in the winter of 2008 when um, I was visiting and uh, he and I ha- went along for a walk and he was like, you know, I want to take this Nartips thing to the next level. And then I just don't know what to, how to do it. And he was confused about the technological aspect of making a website and, and all this kind of the, the business you know, filing the paperwork and all that kind of stupid shit. And, uh, um, and so I, he asked if I would join him and become his kind of number two in this organization. And this was before I was a member of White Fang. And I agreed. I said, yeah, let's do it. And so we started working on that. And that was kind of when, um, Nartapes sort of turned into something when it had a website and we were, we were, working to uh, to kind of make the moves that we wanted to make to, to be a DIY thing and, and to follow in the footsteps of, of um, you know, our kind of, uh, uh, the people we looked up to, like K Records, Marriage Records, um, uh, Kill Rockstars, Sub Pop, these Northwest kind of, um, kind of labels that were doing similar sort of things. And we were saying, you know, cassette tapes were cheap and they sounded cool and they were boutique-y and, and uh, you know, we started moving in that direction and eventually, um, I joined White Fang just kind of randomly. They were having a, a practice one time when I was up there, and uh, and I said, "Oh, I you know I um, studied music and I have a long history of being involved in music." And I said, "Oh, let me let me jam with you guys while you practice because I knew all the songs. They were all I knew all the songs, so I was like, let's jam.' And I played the bass guitar, and they were like, "You should join the band." And then ever since then, we have been um, touring the world and releasing music somewhat regularly and. Um, making worldwide connections in the yeah, DIY scene. It's really amazing. And what I do find particularly amazing is you've had this 15-year history with this same group of people collaborating yeah. on your various different projects. Yeah, it's been you really amazing. You collaborate on Free Weed, yep. White Fang as well. You're in that band. And they also collaborate with Uncle Funkle-related output yeah how are you able to keep this collaboration alive over the course of almost two decades at this point i find so many people kind of go in and out of working with different people but you are all staying pretty strong yeah it's true and i think that we um are really blessed to have found um each other and to uh, have this group of people that we um you know we get along with and i think it really has a lot to do with the fact that we um kind of grew up together so we have that sort of ingrained kind of comfort and that energy and that vibe Um, because yeah I mean a lot of my peers and people that I know well who are um, you know in varying degrees of of success in the music industry um, who uh, you know they lament that they don't even like their band members you know and uh, that sounds like a nightmare to me so Uh, you know, we have been a long time ago. We kind of collectively agreed that um, we were going to go down with the ship, you know, no matter what. So we just sort of have done, uh, stayed true to that, and and into now into our um, 30s, we're still just sticking with it, and um, you know, we haven't died yet. So we're just, you know, we're just committed to each other. I think that's how we make it work. That's awesome. Keep it alive. Yeah. Keep it living. 
long. Yep, exactly. So let's focus on the Uncle Funkle record that's about to come out and your move to New York. Yep. You came here about a year and a half ago. Yeah, in no- to, November of, to, of 2018, so for 14 months. To work in a studio yep. out in uh, Rockaway, right? Yeah, Rockaway Park, Queens. And what have you been doing there working on? And you work on Uncle Funkle stuff while you're out there. And, yeah. And how's that been going? Well, I love it. I, um, I, um, to give a brief history of my relationship with the, um, the studio and the label that owns and, or, or co-owns it now, um, Axis Mundi Records is a, um, is this label based out of, um, New York. Uh, it's these, these two guys, um, this guy Graham, who is, uh, he plays guitar in um, uh, uh, Crystal Fighters. Pretty big. Um, they're pretty big in Europe. This this uh, kind of indie pop rock, um, uh, lower sh- like upper mid level, you know, s- lower stadium level kind of band. Pretty big, um, successful group. And uh, he has had experience working with uh, major labels. And somewhere in the, his career, decided, you know, I want to be. Um, kind of a bastion for the independent artist and and had you know this kind of label that he wanted to start and this guy Bill who um I met him from him being kind of just a big fan of music and and every time the memories are wifing was in New York I would see this guy Bill um and then you know jump forward a while and they had decided they wanted to help us with a memories album um and have us put it out and they had the studio in New York and so they had had brought us out in July of, or actually late June of 2018. After after I think almost two years of deliberating about when and how this was going to happen, they brought us out, put us up in an Airbnb, and said we're going to record this album. Now at the time, sort of a side note, we were um, uh, in a somewhat sorry situation with our our warehouse slash studio slash record store in Los Angeles, um, just kind of um, struggling to keep our head above water in the financial sense. And um, I was like, well, great, we're gonna, we have to go to New York and record. It's gonna be a good um, experience, but uh, maybe I will spend a lot of my time working on my laptop because I do a lot of freelance stuff to make ends meet from time to time. And so I was thinking I would be gumming and working on that, but uh, um, when we got here, they were like, okay, well, which one of you guys is like best with Pro Tools? And we, there's no producer, there's no engineer here at the studio, so we're going to leave you guys to it. And um, that was me. And so I, I, I kind of was the head engineer and producer for this Memories project alongside um, one of the other main members of the, mem- of the Memories and Wifeng is um, this beautiful young man named Isaac Arita. <laughs> and uh, he um, was kind of the other lead engineer because he also knows Pro Tools that was kind of what it, what it came down to was whether or not you could operate the um, the Pro Tools rig and uh, okay so long story short we finished that project up and get that to the mixing engineer and now months are we're back in LA months have gone by and I reach out to these um, people and say hey uh, I you know thanks again for everything and um, I would love to come back out if um, there's any availability at the studio and work on some solo stuff and they said well availability there hasn't been anyone in there since since you guys left there's no no one is ever out there because it's in Rockaway no one can make it out there there's no engineer so people have to engineer it themselves and it's this whole kind of um, barrier to people working in the studio and at that point they had floated this thing where um, 
They said, you know, man, I just wish that there was someone who was out, lived out there and could take care of the studio. And that just kind of got the gears turning with all of us where they said, well, maybe that could be you. And, 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 and I was shocked because that was going to be, um, you know, all of a sudden it was like, I went home to my apartment with my, or my girlfriend's apartment that night. And I said, Hey, you know, Axis Mundi suggested that I should move to New York and, and run their studio. And I, you know, I want to do it. And it was this weird thing where all of a sudden the entire, entire trajectory of my life was going to change. And, uh, you know, they, um, it was a hard decision to make, but it just kind of came down to, it sounds silly to say it out loud, but just like the gear, I was like, they had this, they have this Juno synthesizer that I use on all my records that I, I was like, I just want to be around that synthesizer and, and these, this, these mic pre's and the microphones. And, um, I can use this time to, uh, finish up my stuff and have my own space because actually at the time I was getting um, really worked up about um, um, my my workflow I never I was it was hard for me to ever find um, a space to practice uh, and um, it was just so much cohabitation in my life it was I was either um, at work with the guys or at home with my girlfriend and um, I felt like just kind of stuck in a rut in LA and um, uh, and so I came out here to do this and then in that time I've been working with um, artists uh, that are part of Axis Mundi um, I've been working with clients that I've brought in you know sort of the goal of this whole experiment was to was to turn this recording studio rather than into a, a money pit for the label into something that when the label w- didn't have any use for it was a um, you know a business that could keep itself yeah, afloat yeah, totally. and that was that was what I came to do and that was uh, you know it's been successful I, I when I before this I've always wanted to have a studio and I've always had you know the capacity to record and what whatever you know cheap cheap equipment and, and pirated software that I could get my hands on ever ever since I you know a young teenager I was doing that but I never wanted to run a recording studio because um, engineering other groups was always somewhat of a of a nightmare and it was so difficult to please a lot of people um, but in my experience here in New York where the studio is of a generally high quality I have found that people are generally easier to please and it's a much more gratifying experience for everyone involved and so yeah I just love it I love working there I love being out here it's very nice cool and tell me about Fuji let's talk about yeah. this new record that is coming out in April yes it's your first solo album since Supernatural which came out in 2016 I think that's right yeah yeah what 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 does it sound like in comparison to Supernatural well, How has your sound evolved since then? Yeah, so um, my first, so my originally when when I kind of founded this project, Uncle Funkle, it was when Nartapes had worked on a um, a series that we were calling the uh, GGBB cassette tape series, and that stand, stood for Good Guys Bad Band, which was sort of a uh, <laughs> um, you know a phrase that that that. I kind of always thought that we sort of came up with, but then I started hearing it around, and I was like, I don't know if it was um, something we came up with. But but anyway, it was going to be kind of like the Kiss solo album thing, where each of us had our own um, solo records, and um, um, 
And so I made this thing called Rub Rub Relief, and I came up with the name Uncle Funkle because uh, I actually don't know how I came up with it, but I one time was looking through my um, college notebooks and found it written, written next to a doodle, so I guess it's been in there in my subconscious for a while. But anyway, um, my first thing was um, kind of this, uh, this satirical... Um, kind of a parody of the experience of listening to the radio so there was uh there was many different genres and um even kind of skits that were commercials or talk shows and then um my follow-up record to that was kind of an expansion on that concept it's called picture of my dick and that was um again a very the, it was a concept record about the a satire of the experience of listening to the radio again with fake commercials fake skits all that kind of stuff and then Supernatural was my follow-up where I was like, okay, I'm going to move away from that skits thing, maintain this kind of concept record thing where I had a narrative and a story, and I was going to explore these, uh, these different genres. And uh, I like that record. I think it, it came out really well, and I worked really hard on it. Um, but now many years have passed, and my sound has evolved to a point where this record was kind of the first time that I... Um, had sort of a predetermined kind of sound I was going for and I tried to flesh it out as opposed to in the past when I kind of was it was more about a, a concept or kind of a bit or a punchline that I was kind of reaching for and however else the pieces fell into place would work um, so yeah I, there is a sound change now I have kind of distinctly reaching for a um, you know, inspired by the harmonic and 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 melodic vocabulary of jazz and R and B and wow, soul music, yeah. and uh, rhythmically kind of uh, also a jazz R and B kind of world, but some you know the hip hop and um, um, rap style production, and uh, yeah, I'm I, I'm trying to kind of be. Uh, have this music that's kind of smooth and, and sophisticated and expensive sounding. Um, and uh, yeah, that's kind of where, where I'm at. It actually was inspired very heavily by when uh, I went on tour as a substitute member of that band Mild High Club. And um, they did an Asian tour where I was needed to substitute for a member of the band who wasn't able to sort out um, Visa stuff. And so I was able to sort out my visa, went with them, and had this real inspiring experience um, that was kind of centered around uh, um, <laughs> jazz and, and, and soul musical motifs. And uh, um, I was inspired to make something similar. And that, that, you know, that's kind of the impetus of that. And that's why it's the, the album's called Fuji. Um, there's some Japanese um, themes in the music i chose to release it um on the same day as this final fantasy 7 remake video game is coming out because that's a, a japanese cultural sort of wow. institution and uh yeah it's all again with the kind of reaching for different conceptual stuff to help me make so, so did decisions. you did you start writing songs for this record immediately while you're on the road i was in japan band, i was in japan when i started uh, yeah, on, on my laptop I had like uh, Fruity Loops, I guess it was, and um, and I started coming up with material in hotel rooms and on the trains and on the planes and stuff. Oh, wow, that's so cool! And yeah. was there specific Japanese music that inspired it, or? Well, yeah, I mean, I've always been I've always been inspired by um, um, 
you know, Harry Hosono and uh, um, and Tatsuro Yamashita and, you know, Yellow Magic Orchestra. Um, Kitaro is a uh, Japanese composer that I, um, I quite enjoy and um, from the kind of new age um, school of music from the 80s and synthesizer stuff. Um, so, yeah, I think that there is a... Um, a style of music, but 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 really, I think that because of the Japanese diaspora in in South America and Brazil specifically, and um, and I mean, who knows what else? I might be speaking completely out of my ass, but there is already a very distinct love of the kind of R&B and jazz landscape and disco in Japan. Even at the 7-Elevens and, and, and all over, you hear these kind of smooth, sexy saxophone sounds all over the place. Um, and yeah, just the experience of being there and, and, uh, and, and not just in Japan. Um, I don't want to, you know, I give credit where credit is due. We went to, we went to Taipei and um, played with this band, Sunset Roller Coaster, um, which if anyone if anyone out there is listening knows that group, they know that that group is really fantastic. Um, super smooth, sexy, great melodies, very well performed. They're like a six-piece band. Um, and uh, that was very, you know, I, the whole vibe when I was there, I was like, wow, this is like this whole crazy, jazzy, neo-soul kind of world that I'm in. It sounds, I feel silly saying it out loud that I pretty much just like was like, oh, I want to sound like that after like playing in Mild High Club and like, <laughs> totally, because yeah. it sounds like I have a friend who is very involved in the Beijing music scene mm -hmm. out in China. And sometimes when you visit out east, the music scene seems completely different is, than anything you'd experience here in the it States or even in Europe. So yeah. it's cool to hear that that experience had a really profound impact on you. Was that yes. your first time touring out there? It or was did you my go first time in Asia. Yeah. Wow. Um, and uh, um, I am just you know, elated at the idea that I might be able to go back. I mean, uh, I met a lot of people out there and, and our tour manager in Mild High Club is um, a Japanese gentleman who, uh, he is like, um, uh, he works for Stone's Throw, which is the label that Mild High Club is on. And, um, you know, I, I've, you know, I guess all that to say, I, I hopefully made some lasting connections while I was out there. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we'll see. I, I um, there's, n you know, my white thing and the memories are my kind of bigger things that I'm involved with and that I can expect to be touring regularly in. And we both have new projects coming out. So hopefully one of these things that I'm doing will take me back out to Asia where I, um, yeah, I just loved it. It was just amazing. Yeah. The you've, food and the people were so cool. And you, you've spent so much time on the road with yeah. all these different bands. It's so interesting to hear all the different connections yeah. you've made over the course of your music career. It truly is amazing. Um, it, you know, as long as I've known my, my best friend Ricky, he always told me that, you know, his, his, his highest measure of success and the thing that he wanted to do above anything else was to travel. And that was why he started doing music and why he's been an artist is to get around and just see things. And, um, you know, I try not to take it for granted because, because it's an amazing thing to be able to be on the road and travel. I mean, it's also this huge pain in the ass a lot of the time. And people are like, wow, you're so lucky you get to like go and see all these places. And it's like, well, all I see is the highway and then the green room and then the hotel and, and, but sometimes, you know, sometimes you get to have those magical experiences. And and you get to meet a lot of great people. Yeah, I'm exactly. Sure. But let's play some songs, man. Yeah, hell yeah. Let's play I Don't Give a Fuck Anymore. 
I just don't give a fuck anymore. Perfect. <laughs> and uh, uh, Free Weed by Free Weed. What was the 2011 song? Magic Woman. Magic Woman. And we'll play Table for Two because I love nice. that song. Love it. Table for Two. Da, na, I like when he's na, like, na. Uh, <laughs> just can you imagine what the Mater D will. I can't remember. It's <laughs> so good. Such a fucking good song. Such a good song. And um, you're about to hear Uncle Funkle related music. On Look at My Records.
make her feel special. It had been a minute since I'd taken the time to unwind. It had been a while. So I walked up to the door, held it open for my girl. You should have seen my girl's face when I walked up to that made D and I said, I need a table for two, I'm not here alone. Table for two, and then we're going home. Table for two, I'm not here alone. Table for two, and then we're going home. Table for two, I'm not here alone. Table for two, and never going home. Table for two, I'm not here alone. Table for two, and never going home. The dinner was delicious, and I didn't even have to do the dishes. The smile on her face is a memory I'll Welcome back, everyone. We just heard from Fuji, I Just Don't Give a Fuck Anymore, by my guest, Uncle Funkle. We then heard a classic Uncle Funkle track called Magic Woman, followed it up with Free Weed by Free Weed, and that set rounded it out with Table for Two by The Memories, one of my favorite Memories songs. Great set of tunes. But before we get into the second part of the show, just had a couple of questions for you regarding moving from Portland to Los Angeles and your involvement there. Because I had a friend that saw you play at Alphaville recently with Colin Green and a few other Los Angeles-based artists. How'd you wind up moving from Portland to Los Angeles? Well, we um, when we left... So Wifang had been touring around this time, um, you know, sometimes seven or eight or nine months out of the year even. And uh, we, it was always kind of a thing where it was like, okay, we make our way to San Francisco from Portland and then Southern California. And then that was like the whole West Coast. And then it was like, okay, we make our way to, um, to the rest of the United States from there. So we had been working a lot with Burger Records and, uh, um, and going there and playing shows a lot. And uh, they had, we linked up with this producer, Bobby Harlow, who was a good friend of ours. Um, and, well, not he is now. We didn't know him at the time, but he, uh, we knew him through uh, The Go. He was in this band called The Go in the late 90s, early 2000s um, for, out of Detroit. And he had this, these, um, uh, you know, he was building a studio and um, had these ambitions of, of going in to a full-time studio thing with Burger Records. And um, and one of the first things he wanted to do when he got to LA was record White Fang. And uh, so he had had his eyes on um, a new King Tough record that he recorded right before he worked with us, and then a White Fang record and a few other things while he was in LA. Anyway, long story short was that through this project, we had decided that we were better off in LA. Like our, the scene in Portland, um, Let's just say we, starting as young men, we were uh, very young. Uh, we kind of had, uh, um, we were bad boy punks, and uh, you know, had kind of burnt bridges in a lot of venues. And um, I mean, I, you know, we just decided it was time to leave Portland in the rear view because we were going to LA to record this album. LA was going to be a better headquarters for us um, for our U.S. touring schedule. We had a our first at the time our first European tour was um, coming up and we were going to fly out of LAX pretty much no matter no matter what 
and um, and we um, wanted something new, so we moved to LA to um, to try. Also, we, you know, it was this thing where in every time we went to Southern California, these teenagers with software developer parents or whatever would drive from hundreds of miles around to come and see us in LA or in the Orange <laughs> County. And in Portland, we couldn't get 20 people to come pay five bucks to see us at some <laughs> yeah, bar because yeah, yeah. they were sick of us. And um, um, or had seen us or, or, you know, they could catch us later that week at some basement. So it was just like this whole thing and, and we decided to move and, and to make uh, to make the move a big part of our music career. And um, so we went to LA and, uh, and you know, the rest is history. We ended up, ended up starting, ha having a record store down there for a while and uh, working on that. And that was uh, kind of the, the whole direction that our lives was going was uh, centered around being based out of LA. Now I have this thing in New York, so we're even further spread apart, um, which has been really great, but it's a little, uh, it's a little confusing for what to do as a band because now every White Fang show that that we've done since I've moved out here has required some sort of flying out. Yeah. So I've, you know, I we had to fly out to um, uh, University of Fairbanks, Alaska, had us for a show about oh, a year really ago. That's really amazing. Wow. And then we've had shows in LA that required me to go out there, and 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 it's you know. It, it adds a whole new level of overhead and, yeah. and, and things that we have to kind of sort out. But, um, but it works. You know, we, we, on our last European tour last summer, it was like we met in, in Europe, you know? Yeah, like yeah. I was like, okay, I'll fly out of, out of JFK to Paris and you guys fly out of LAX to Paris and we'll meet up. And it's, it worked. It, so um, I'm not exactly sure where I've taken the answer to this question now, but, uh, <laughs> but that's it. it, it, it that's you took it to a LA. good place. <laughs> it's a really... Uh, wonderful background because I really didn't know until I started looking into you a little more the the Portland aspect yeah. I, I knew about the memories and White Fang as an LA band yeah so. yeah so poor, poor, our roots are in Portland yeah. and then uh, um, when we moved to LA there was kind of a uh, um it was kind of like within the band a campaign to kind of like it's like we're an LA band now because we're part of the LA scene and there definitely is it's this confusing thing where where um, I, I, I guess it's it's relevant it always has kind of been funny to me how like when you're on tour or you're in another country they'll put the like city that you're from on the flyers and stuff like that um, so sometimes it'll say Portland even though we haven't we've barely been back to Portland yeah. in the course of the last five years and sometimes it says LA even though it's like People for, who are from LA are kind of serious about being from LA, you know? yeah. And we're, we don't—I don't fit into that category. So I've never really—I've <laughs> never really been like, oh, I'm a, I'm I'm from LA. Los Angelinos, as they're called. Um, so, uh, so yeah, I mean, Portland was really great to us. We, yeah. you know, we met some of the like kind of outsider artist people who uh, who who embraced the punk rock youth of our beginnings as a band. Um, you know, it's hard to say that we would be where we are now without that, without yeah. that. So totally, Portland was great for that reason. What a background, yeah, Mr. Uncle Funkle. We've been around. Now we're gonna play some records that she selected. Oh from yeah, what a fun uh, project that was. Starting with "So Sad to Watch Good Love Go Bad" by the Everly Brothers yeah. from the Golden Hits of the Everly Brothers. So nice, great song. Yeah, so beautiful. You love the Everly Brothers. A you know, lot. I've I've always been a big fan of um, the Everly Brothers, and uh, I think it really comes down to how um, 
it's just so clean. Like there was just such a high standard of, of musicianship back then that like even on a on a pop record, it, it was this like flawless execution by a group of musicians. Lush, really nice harmonies. I really like how the Everly Brothers are a duo. I think that uh, music that is um, that is written for two voices um, kind of allows for harmonic context to become melodic context in a certain way. Um, and I really enjoy it. And they have such a beautiful voice. And uh, I they just do. love it. Next, The World Is Yours by Nas off of Illmatic. Great New York song yeah. and record. This, I, I think that um, when making this list, um, it, uh, curating songs that, because maybe there wasn't as much of a selection of what I would say were like really heavily um, influential in my current musical world, yeah. um, that I said, okay, I'm going to reach for some of the stuff that in my younger life was really important to me. Yeah. And so when... Before I lived in New York, and I was like specifically when I was end of high school in Portland or the beginning years of my college career in Eugene, Oregon, um, where I was beginning to smoke cannabis and <laughs> listen to my kind of uh, what I considered to be this kind of like intellectual sort of hip hop rap, and I was smoking. And uh, this Nas record, you know, everyone knows it. Uh, Illmatic is such a, an influential record. And again, this this whole entire list is things that were influential to me in my young life and that I think represent a high standard of musicianship overall. So Nas, of course, very lyrical, intellectual uh, flow, and um, executive producer was um, MC Search. Uh, and uh, I don't know if he made the beats or what, but uh, just the beats are so, they just sound so smoky and like, and that they, it just like I think of New York when I hear music like that. And, oh and yeah, so that absolutely. Was, that was the uh, kind of impetus of my choice for that Queensbridge yeah. projects. Yeah, and I, I, you know, it was hard for me to choose because like the first um, New York State of Mind is the first song on that record, and uh, that's that's one that I really like, and it reminds me of specifically the feeling of me and my roommate in college had just started smoking and we put on some music and it was like, okay, I'm, I'm coming up on, on my marijuana high and we're listening <laughs> to, to music and it feels great. But then The World Is Yours is, uh, you know, it's kind of got, it's got the cooler, jazzier chords and I felt like that was appropriate and it's maybe, you know, maybe the bigger selling single on that record. I'm not, I'm not totally sure of the details. What is what a cool song! Absolutely, and then we're getting even jazzier. Part totally. one acknowledgement by John Coltrane off yeah. of the Love Supreme. So this is a record that was um, also very important to me in uh, my teen or teens and early twenties when I was studying music and wanting to be a jazz head. Uh, and uh, you know, it's I think most on the top of most people's you know greatest jazz records of all time list is this "A Love Supreme" by John Coltrane. Um, and uh, uh, this first part, acknowledgement, is uh, has always really stuck in my head. Um, um, if you're familiar with it, you'll know the melody that they introduce really early on in the song is this motif that they keep kind of developing. And again, obviously, you really can't get a higher standard of musicianship than the John Coltrane Quartet. And uh, um, and um, yeah, again, this is this was uh, uh, sort of the in the who's who of jazz, where you know you kind of as a young man think uh, like, 
oh yeah, this is, I, I, I like, I'm going to kind of um, establish my tastes as being valuable because I'm going to like these kind of the greatest hits of jazz and uh, John Coltrane fits really well into that. So Hell yeah. And then wrapping up this set with Dancing in the Dark by Bruce. That's I forgot I added that. So um, <laughs> I know that I think I saw that you had on your list uh, the single version of this, which caught yeah. my attention, as well as it's on um, Born in the USA. Um, and so the E Street Band is great. Uh, Bruce Springsteen, of course, the boss, a great, uh, great songwriter. And this um, is really influential to my early development musically because uh, you know my dad had this on cassette. My dad only had a few cassettes. Um, that we would listen to a lot in the car, and Bruce Springsteen was one of them. And uh, this song just um, has stuck with me, and and has I've always been able to turn to this song. Uh, it's an emotional song to me, and um, I really like when he says um, there's like kind of a a chorus um, coda where it kind of repeats, and he says uh, uh, you can't start a fire worrying about your little world falling apart, and uh, that has always stuck with me. And yeah, that's why I chose this one because it was so, this is like, I go back in time and I'm like 12 years old and I would know this song, you know? And now 20 years later, I still, I still love it. It's an amazing song. Yeah. So let's play them. We've got yeah. the Everly Brothers. We've got Nas, John Coltrane and Bruce Springsteen. We'll what a be list. Back. What a list. Uncle Funkles <laughs> picks. to have good times together But now I feel them slip away It makes me cry To see love die So sad to watch good Sad to watch go 
is yours, the world is yours. It's mine, it's mine, it's mine, whose world is this? It's mine, it's mine, it's mine, whose world is this? The world is yours, the world is yours. I sip the dumb peak, watching Gandhi till I'm charged and writing in my book of rhymes. All the words past the margin, the whole of mic I'm throbbing. Mechanical movement, understandable smooth that murderers move with. The thief's theme, play me at night, they won't act right. The fiend of hip hop has got me stuck like a crack pipe. The mind activation, react like I'm facing time, like Pappy Mason with pins I'm embracing. Wipe the sweat off my zone, spit the phlegm on the streets. Sway Tim's on my feet. Makes my cypher complete weather Cruising in a six cab I'm on tarot jeep I can't call it The beats make me falling asleep I keep falling But never falling six feet deep I'm out for presidents to represent me Say what? I'm out for presidents to represent me Say what? I'm out for dead presidents to represent me Whose world is this? The world is yours The world is yours It's Whose world is this? The world is yours The world is yours It's world To my man Ill Will, God bless your life. To my peoples throughout Queens, God bless your life. I trick we box of crazy aiming guns and all my baby pictures. Beef with housing police, release scriptures that's maybe Hitler's. Yet I'm the mild money getting style, rolling foul. The versatile honey sticking wild, golden child dwelling in the rotten apple. You get tackled, a court by the devil's last. There's no days for broke days we sell pays while all the old folks pray to Jesus soaking their sins and trays a holy water odds against nods and slaughter finger the word best describing my life to name my daughter my strength my son the star will be my resurrection born in correction all the wrong I did he'll lead in right direction how you live in larger broker charge cards are mediocre you're flipping coca playing spit spades and strip poker Yo, the world is yours. The world is yours. I kick my thoughts alone, get remanded, born alone, die alone. No crew to keep my crown or throne, I'm deep, I sound alone. Cave inside a thousand miles from home, I need a new for this black cloud to follow. Cause while it's over me, it's too dark to see tomorrow. Trying to maintain, I flip, feel the clip to the tip. Picturing my peeps, not eating, can make my heartbeat skip. And I'm amped up, they like to champ up. Even my brains in handcuffs, headed for Indiana, stabbing women like the Phantom. The crew is lamping, Big Willie style. Check the chip to smell. Plus, I profile well. Stash through the flock, clothes burning dollars. Delight my soul, walk the blocks with a bop. Checking games plus the games people play. Bust the problems of the world today. The world is yours. The world is yours.
We're back. We're back. We heard <laughs> Everly Brothers, Nas, John Coltrane, Bruce Springsteen, Mr. Funkle. That's me. The funkiest uncle of all time. Yep. His selections. Hey. 
we have we had like a blast today. yeah we had what a, a fucking show. blast and we could keep talking i think i may like have to have you back in I'll, like six months or I'd actually come to, to your studio and we yeah could we could do a little on location interview thing. thing yeah oh i would love that like a written piece because i I'll, write for i'll be back i walked here from my apartment too so yeah oh sick yeah easy peasy couple more things how'd you start working with pinky she is a, a, a gem. I know you've been working with... Yeah, her Pinky. and I have been working extensively on her new album, and uh, she is just a treat to work with. This is interesting. So I know you've been working with her, but then after I met you, I put two and two together that her last tape, Neotny, did come out on, on our, our tapes, tapes as correct. well. So how did you guys She was come discovered by, by Ricky... Um, uh, on SoundCloud, yeah. So, so, so she had all these songs on SoundCloud, and Ricky um, is, uh, you know, sort of the artistic curator of the label. Not sort of, he is. He's the cu- he is the kind of creative curatory power of our label, and um, it's not completely unheard of that he would reach out to someone to do something. Uh, in this case, it was kind of rare because we had almost always the people that we work with on Nartapes are people that we have met on the road yeah. or um, or in the context of us being musicians as well but in this case he did just kind of cold write to her saying your, sh- your shit's amazing and um, it fits well on this label and um, yeah the rest is history she, she's got a NAR tapes personality she truly too, does I would say. she, she fits right does. in with your crew when we were putting out the tape we were all very impressed with the um, the execution the musical execution of it and um, I wasn't sure how we would get on Personality-wise, but then she came and, and collaborated with us when we first came out to New York to work on this Memories album um, that is soon to be announced, um, and uh, and we just got along swimmingly. And then when I got out here, she was like, "Hey, I'm like, don't really have a producer for this record. Do you want to um, want to work together?" And we said, "Let's do it." Hell yeah! What a story. Yeah, I know it's a wonder. Fuji coming out in april can't wait i can't wait either i'm so excited to share this with everyone and hopefully uh all my fans will enjoy the somewhat um varying direction that my <laughs> entire musical career has taken that's awesome it's been a journey yeah with truly. many twists and turns and it, it was truly such happened. a pleasure to hear all about it today on look at my records and we're definitely gonna talk again yeah man. we're definitely gonna talk again and you can listen to the rest of Uncle Funkle's discography via unclefunkle.bandcamp.com so true that's u-n-k-l-e yes don't don't try to spell it with the c uncle with the k funkle with the k f-u-n-k-l-e dot bandcamp.com watch out for that autocorrect because yeah It'll fuck you. It'll fuck you. It'll up. bring you to some other shit. Some other Uncle that Funkle. You don't want, <laughs> that you don't want to go to. It's also available on all streaming services as well. And we're going to end the show because we didn't play a White Fang song during the first set. I Love School, which you said was kind of a solo song that you brought this was a uh, this was a song that i had recorded um for a uh, unknown solo application and uh it was just uh, agreed to when we were in the studio studio with bobby harlow um to record and um i think it makes sense as the most recent uh full-length album by white fang which is old now um that uh it was one that i wrote and sang on and so why not include it? I love school from White Bank's 2015 album, 
chunks mm. to end the show. Yummy. What a pleasure it was talking to you, Chris. Absolutely. Thank you so much for coming. It, the pleasure was all mine, and thank you very much. And we'll be hanging again in the near future. Can't wait. Here we go. I love school. I don't love school though. Yeah, that was kind of in school. <laughs> listen, listen closely to the lyrics, and you'll 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 hear the tongue-in-cheek nature of the song. See you next time. Hey, thanks for buying our record. This is me. I'm Funkle. <laughs>